The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Good morning and welcome to Open Line. It's Thursday, the 25th of January, 2024. I'm Natalie Chill. Rick Munn and Gemma Cooper are coming up, of course. And we've got guests as well. Lembit Opic and James Goddard will be joining us as well. Don't forget, you can call in at the end of the show and, of course, get on our online chat at TNT Radio. Dot live. Uh, we've got. I've got a few stories actually that have caught my eye over the last couple of days, so I thought I'd quickly go through them. Woolies or Woolworths could return to the British High Street after Wilco collapsed, and it's uh, seeking to expand internationally. And I used to love Woolworths as a kid. I'm sure it won't be the same, but getting all the old pick and mix that was exciting. So maybe something to look forward to. Um, and we've covered stories over the last couple of days about low intake for the MMR and HP. TV jabs. Well, there was another story yesterday in the Telegraph. Whooping cough cases at the highest level in Wales since 2015 after, guess what? A drop in the rates of immunisation. Experts are, are urging pregnant women and children to get immunised. So it's the same story, different jab. It would seem uh, it's, it's happening everywhere. And uh, another one, I thought concrete stories had disappeared, all the scaremongering. Oh no, the BBC said yesterday this is a good one parents are taking their kids out of school because of the dangerous concrete because they're so worried seems a little bit far-fetched don't you think rick have you heard of any parents ripping their children out of school in fear of the concrete collapsing of them while they're learning story from last year where they were trying to say that you know your kid's school was in danger of collapsing and little Johnny or little Mary's head get them out sowing fear into the hearts of many parents now complete bunkum the Woolies story is quite interesting Natalie if Woolies does actually make a return to the high street you know we've talked a lot about shoplifting was seeded into the public consciousness a lot last year I think Woolworths is the training ground for all the little shoplifters of the world. That's where they all get a start. And you mentioned the pick and mix section. Uh, many a kid has known to slip a raspberry ruffle into their pocket to chomp on in the high street and avoid the security guards. I think Willie's is a training ground for shoplifters. Please don't sue me, sue me Wilworths. It's a tongue-in-cheek comment. But yeah, seems to be where most people cut their teeth in the shoplifting front. So maybe a return to the high street is not such a good thing. Yeah, and who who hasn't out there uh, stolen a pick and mix from Woolworths in the past? Let me know in the online chat. I'm sure uh, um, as a kid, I, as you said, I put a couple uh, too, yeah, too many. Yeah, yeah. I actually might have yeah, recently yeah. done that at the cinema too, you know, when you accidentally weigh it at a different <laughs> price. I'm a good girl, really. And uh, yeah, we said about the jabs as well. Uh, it's just uh, one story after another. I mean, we know they're still pushing the jabs. Uh, but it's interesting to see that they're having to tell us as well, every single one has got a lower rate of uptake, Rick. 
Yeah, Ian Davis, uh, I was talking with him yesterday uh, on Locked and Loaded, and we were actually talking about those stories that we covered yesterday. And sometimes when you're feeling a little bit despondent, you're wondering, maybe, am I making a difference? Is all this making a difference? When you hear stories like that, there's a lot of wind stories coming through, people not paying their TV licenses anymore, people not going, uh, taking doctor's advice in the first instance, doing their own research, thinking critically, job intake is down for MMR, job intake is down for the booster campaign, job intake take us down for uh, the HPV. So these are all things that are making a difference. And that's why they want to keep people like us quiet and stations like TNT quiet, because we're, we're shaking people and we're putting a little bit of critical thought into their heads. And they are asking questions and some people are actually taking action. So it's good to hear stories like that. Is. I've got some stories here before we go to Gemma as well. Lisa said, I stole some earrings and makeup, I think, from Woolies. Uh, River said, I always thought Pick and Mix was free on the way to yeah, buy an action see, man. See, but Ni but Nige steals the show and he said he used to put bogeys in the Pick and Mix. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that might put you off for today of stealing them. Uh, but we're going to take a quick pause uh, and then we're going to speak to Gemma here at today's news. There's a lot going on. So it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, Gemma, did you steal a Pick and Mix confession in your time, time. at Woolworths? Yeah, confession time here at TNT. <laughs> It's such a long time ago for me. Yes, in other words, <laughs> yes, she's a thief. She's a bloody she's a thief, thief, you see. Yeah. Everyone learned to steal in Woolworths. I've, I've told you, the whole chat's full of confessions about Woolies thieves. You know, uh, we're on the ball with this one, Natalie. Yep. Yeah, well, we're ahead of the game. Uh, we're out to see. Uh, maybe that's how they're going to bring in all the shoplifting stories in the future. Get Woolworths in and that's the way it's going to go, Gemma. Well, stranger things have happened, haven't they, Natalie? And it is true. Rick's quite right. You know, the shoplifting stories that were seeded into the public consciousness, you know, yeah, a training ground for eight-year-old rebels or younger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, any excuse to bring in the police surveillance state, isn't it? Any excuse, any excuse at all. So <laughs> watch this space. Nothing is off the table now in this crazy world we live in. Uh, I, exactly I'll, be, I'll have a confession. I have a confession, right? I, I never stole... I genuinely never stole anything from Woolworths, but I was fond of passing greengrocers. And uh, usually they have a stall outside the shop. And usually I would have been fond of lifting a nice green Granny Smith apple and taking a bite out of it and then setting it back in the outdoors <laughs> display. So if you're at a greengrocers and you live near me up in the north, uh, <laughs> north down in Northern Ireland, double check your Granny Smiths uh, before you buy them because there could be a Rick Munn sized uh, denture mark in the in the Granny Smith. So yeah, I think we've all been guilty. Of uh, at, least, at least you went. At least you went healthy rather than rather than junk food, Rick. So there's some positivity there. Uh, but talking about criminals, uh, uh, Gemma, we've got another story, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, this this is ongoing right now as we speak. Uh, it is this story of this uh, prisoner who's on death row in Alabama in America um, from six o'clock UK time this morning, which was midnight in Alabama. Um, he's been He's on a 30 hour window now for uh, death, not by lethal injection, but by a very controversial uh, execution process, which uh, 
vets are saying is even too cruel for animals that this man is facing it. It's with nitrogen gas. He'd be the first person ever put to death uh, by nitrogen gas. It's a 58-year-old man called Kenneth Eugene Smith who was convicted in 1999. He's been on death row all that time for killing uh, the wife of a preacher, Elizabeth Sennett. Uh, her husband arranged the killing. It was a killing for money. He arranged the killing to get the insurance money and he committed suicide before he was able to be prosecuted. But Kenneth Smith has been on death row since 1996, um, and he's due to be... Uh, killed with nitrogen gas today. There have been previous attempts to, to use lethal injection upon this man, but they, they couldn't raise a vein in time to put the injection in within the within the death warrant window. There's a certain amount of time you've got to, to commit to commit the, the, the execution. Um, so the state of Alabama has said now we're going to use nitrogen gas. Now his lawyers have said this is a very cruel and unusual uh, punishment. They have appealed to the Supreme Court, which has denied their appeal to halt the process. They're going to appeal again and see if they can get an, 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 a last minute stay of execution on this. Um, literally, that is the expression, I'm afraid. Um, but it's, it's a 30 hour window. So we're now three hours and 13 minutes into his, his execution window. It remains to see whether or not this, uh, this type of execution uh, does take place. Alabama's particularly uh, strict on the death penalty. It's got one of the highest amount of inmates on death row, 165. But there are many states in the United States now that have banned capital punishment. 23 actually have abolished it. That's, you know, heading up to 50%. And, uh, and, but the state is saying in Alabama, you know, this is a humane death. It's actually more humane than the lethal injection. Uh, campaigners completely disagree and say it's it's 15 minutes of nitrogen gas being flooded into your system. He could choke on its own vomit. It's very distressing. Vets don't like using it on animals. Very few do. In fact, hardly any do. They say it's a very distressing process for the animal and especially the owners. Um, so this is where we are with this. The last execution involving gas in America was in 1999. That was hydrogen cyanide. Every execution ever since uh, has been by lethal injection. Apparently, the drugs are a bit uh, more hard to come by now. I don't know if that's a cost implication that they're more expensive possibly than nitrogen uh, gas. That's my speculation um, because they've been used extensively beforehand and now it seems they're hard to get hold of. But that's where we are today. Uh, people are saying, all right, he's on death row. He did murder somebody for money. But, you know, the United Nations is even saying actually that this type of execution is a form of torture. It's cruel, it's humane, and it's degrading. And they are as well, the United Nations calling for a halt. Mm. What's your views on this one, Rick? Well, okay, park park the should they or should they not kill people, the death penalty sentence, park that to the side, because there's, of course, the chance that this guy could be innocent. You're executing him wrongly, so you have all these stays of execution and drags on for since 1996. What's that, 24 years or whatnot? He's been 27 years, 28 years now he's been on death row for. So set aside that, you know, if you're going to get some, if you're going to execute someone, just get it over and done with. Why come up with these fancy methods like nitrogen gas and a mask or strapping them to a table and injecting? certain drugs firing squad gets the job done straight away there's no worries about inhumane treatment if you're going to kill someone listen you're going to kill them just get it done and here's the thing too when you actually look into the death penalty like Gemma some of the things you pointed out it's mental it's like okay we've only got a window that we can kill this person. We've got a 30-hour window we can kill him in. If we don't get him within the 30 hours, then he has to get kicked. The can has to get kicked down the road. If you're going to kill someone, you know, you shouldn't need a 30-hour window to do it. Just get it done. And here's another interesting fact that I found out when I was researching the death penalty. If you're to be killed by lethal injection, 
okay? You're strapped to that table. They're about to inject you with drugs that'll kill you. By law, they have to swab your arm with alcohol to make sure there's no germs on it before they put the needles in your arm because it's against health and safety. I kid you not. So there's a lot of madness going on around the death penalty. And of course, uh, death pods were talked about in Scotland last year. We covered this story, Natalie. Uh, they were due to be killing Scots people by nitrogen gas. So, you know, it's bad for Alabama, but it's not so bad for Scotland. A lot of madness with this one, Gemma. A lot of madness, Natalie. Yeah, I I'm, I mean, I'm uh, not um, in favour of the death penalty anyway. I personally think, you know, I'm not about tit for tat. I don't want I don't think as human beings we should, if someone's murdered someone, yeah, let's murder them back. Does that not say if someone's violent to you, then you're violent, violent back? Yes, I know you obviously then got the problems with uh, room in prisons and, and there's a whole other argument there as well. Uh, but there's just so much red tape. I mean, to me, if you are going to do it, and I don't agree with it anyway, it has to be the most humane way possible. And it reminds me of the scene in uh, The Green Mile. Uh, did anyone see see that where uh, he deliberately made sure that the sponge wasn't put on and got electrocuted and and, ugh, and everybody in the room was being sick and it was pure torture. And that's kind of what I'm saying. If we're going to do it, surely it should be, you know, it doesn't have to be in a 30-hour uh, window. You just do it in, in, in the best, most humane way possible. So, no, I, 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 I can't see uh, all the reasons for this, uh, you know, making it as difficult as possible. Uh, just It's just madness. But that, that's what we're used to in the world now, isn't it? Mm. Barring sword it is. for the win. It's well, it is, and also it, it does. Uh, it does see. It does remain to be seen whether his lawyer's last appeal. This would be the last appeal. Um, does garner some success. Um, that's not to say he wouldn't face death by lethal injection. Uh, I don't think he's coming off death row anytime soon. But they, they're they're fighting this one right to the end. And I wonder, you know, we we are not fans of these big shadowy organisations like the WHO, the WF, and the United Nations. We 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 don't trust anything they say here at TNT. But the United Nations, would they have some sway in this? Uh, if they if they are talking to the Alabama state governors and the state chiefs, will they listen to what that organization has to say or are they just going to go blindly ahead with this one? It is a test case. And although you're right to say, Rick, about those, those death pods that we're going to use nitrogen gas, none of them have actually been approved in any no. country in the world yet. This will be the first ever human death by this method. And then then what implications does that have for other people on death row in other states, especially if it is cheaper, especially if they're saying, you know, lethal injection drugs are hard to get hold of. Well, why is that? I, I wonder if there is a cost implication and it's suddenly cheaper just to gas people. Well, that's a horrendous state to be in. And Natalie, you are quite right. You cannot ever solve a problem with the same energy that created it. That was Einstein that came up with that formula. I think he kind of knew what he was talking about. So you don't really solve anything, do you? You perpetuate a cycle of of, of murder upon murder. It doesn't doesn't solve anything. That the original murder has already taken place. Nothing brings the victim back. Um, you know, and that, that's a very good point and a valid point of the whole death penalty argument. But in the meantime, it's now three hours and nineteen minutes since Kenneth Eugene Smith has been on his thirty-hour third window. It sounds like for for death row. He personally himself has said the wait is torture. Uh, even he has said it's it's worse. It's not worse, but it's it's a, it's a process that he just is living under constantly uh, of what is going to happen to him. Um, some people would say that he deserves everything he gets. 
we're not taking a stance on that here. We're just bringing the facts of the story, but that's where we are. And we'll know by this time tomorrow what the outcome, well, not quite. We won't quite know. We might know this time tomorrow. It'll be 24 hours. He might still be waiting, but I'll try and bring an update tomorrow at least. Yeah, and this will set a precedent again moving forwards for other cases in America. So thank you for bringing that to us, Gemma. We've got Lembeck Opic after the break here at today's News Talk. TNT's Pervoy Morich. He details factually how Russia is rolling out the algorithm ghetto, um, you know, the, the, the multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto, a prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in Moscow. So Russians now, they'll, they'll have a, the government will take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them. Uh, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now. Moscow 2030, it's, it's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status. Uh, and there's just, you know, you, you look at the white papers, Moscow and Russia are all in on Agenda 2030, smart cities, algorithm ghetto, digital IDs. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is gonna be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, uh, welcome back. Welcome back. And I'm very, very happy, or we're very, very happy to have a fellow TNT presenter on board here this morning as a guest, none other than the legendary, nay, the mythical Lembit Opic. And Lembit uh, was actually born in Northern Ireland in 1965. I'm not sure if he wanted me to dox him with his year of birth or not, but strangely enough, he was born in the place I'm currently living in at the minute. Uh, he studied economics and philosophy at Bristol University, and then he joined Procter and Gamble. He's been all over the place. He's been a politician. He served as the uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, was involved in bringing peace to this country. And now for his sins, he's serving out the rest of his life in TNT 
Purgatory. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, TNT. Lambert, how the hell are you? Very well, but I'm not mythical. Mythical things don't exist. I definitely exist, my friend. But that's an well, accurate uh, uh, analogy. And thanks for telling everybody I'm 58 years old as well. I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, you don't look at you don't look a day over 57, Lambert. So don't be ashamed. In <laughs> fact, you were born in 1965. Listen, London, London, mate, London, London under Sadiq Khan is in a hell of a state at the minute. Uh, knife crime is rampant. I know you've had a particularly nasty experience. I believe reliably the word in the street is yesterday, I think it was, you were robbed or someone attempted to rob you in London in a Pret-a-Manger store. The first question, I'm sorry to say, is not to do with your personal health and well-being, but what the hell were you doing in a Pret-a-Manger store to begin <laughs> with, Lambert? Explain yourself, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit I was drinking tea in the afternoon, which is a disgrace to Northern Ireland, but <laughs> what I was doing, literally minding my own business in Trafalgar Square. Now, to take you back to last year, I was robbed of my phone uh, under knife. Uh, a, a knife point in front of Charing Cross Police Station last year. So now I'm much more careful. It's 5 p.m. I was sitting there working on my computer, minding my own business. Somebody, some little horrible, can't use the word I'd like to use on air, came in, distracted me, stole my phone. Five seconds later, I realized this little person had done it. Uh, I ran out, but it was too late. And so I was robbed in a pret a -Manger. I'm, I'm between 50 people there, and that's how audacious they are. And you're right to say that uh, this is Sadiq Khan's London, where they have the brass neck to walk into a shop and steal. Now, if I'd been like five seconds quicker, sure, I would have uh, realized that, that I was being robbed, but I wasn't. So uh, that's what happened. And uh, I think that if I'd just been a little bit faster, I'd have realized. But how many more people, how many thousands of people a day are being robbed like that? And the thing is, too, Natalie, uh, people are being gaslit at the minute. When something's happening to them, they're being told the opposite's happening. So Lembit's just giving a testimony there last year, or uh, he was robbed at knife point outside a police station. And I hope you got the policeman's badge number, the guy that did it, Lembit, and you reported him to his authorities. <laughs> yeah. uh, then he had another bad experience in Pret. This is happening in broad daylight, but yet the message is London's safe. Uh, Dublin's the same. Dublin's like the Wild West at the minute. Helen McEntee said, is Dublin safe? Uh, what, what's why, why are they trying to get people to avoid the evidence of their own eyes and ears? I mean, surely they're not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes with these statements. No, I mean, I did check the figures uh, uh, on plumpot.co.uk. Uh, they said for uh, basically for every thousand people in London per year, four of them will get robbed. And it's nearly three times as high in London as it is anywhere else uh, in the country. So it, it, it's actually there factually. But of course, it's not like Sadiq Khan, is it, to lie about anything, Lembit? <laughs> Uh, Sadiq Khan, the man who had a consultation about something called the ultra-low emission zone, uh, which is essentially a tax on the poor, because if your car's old, it produces more emissions than new ones. Uh, and the uh, result was the overwhelming majority of people in London said, we don't want this tax. So he said, I'm going to ignore you and introduce it anyway. The man who's got his people to lean on academics to pretend uh, that all of this is good for our health uh, and 
he, he's got bus fires now, electric vehicles going up in flames, causing far more to toxic mess than any vehicle ever could. Uh, Sadiq Khan is a remarkable man because he's broken just about every promise he ever made. And when it comes to crime, and obviously I've got a vested interest in this now, it's disgusting. Uh, I don't recommend people come to London for their holidays. Stay where you are. Go abroad. Go to Dubai where you can walk around at three in the morning uh, in no danger at all. Uh, so Sadiq Khan has ruined the city. And if he wins again, I would simply say it'll be a no-go zone. Mm. Uh, Lambert, tell us this. Uh, in terms of TNT as well, obviously uh, a lot of people are looking at the live chat. Uh, Holly, 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 for example, says, my goodness me, uh, a midweek Lambert. She's happy to see you on here on <laughs> Open Line. Uh, you are on uh, at the weekends now. You've got two extended shows at the weekends, I believe, on a Saturday and a Sunday uh, for three hours at a time. Tell us a little bit about uh, those shows and uh, what times they're on it and uh, how people can connect with you. Uh, just before we go to the news headlines, please. Big shout out to Holly. You're always great value and acerbic with your wits as well. Uh, I'm on 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time or UTC, if you don't like Greenwich, uh, on Saturdays uh, and uh, 9 a.m. till midday on Sundays. And they're magazine shows. We dig deep about themes and subjects, uh, which means I get to speak to my guests for an hour each. And it's great because we really go deeply into things. Last weekend, for example, I had a climate expert who proves quite conclusively that carbon dioxide isn't our enemy, it's our friend. Uh, and you can do that kind of thing. Uh, and the other thing we do is we talk and uh, welcome our guests uh, who are listening. Uh, Holly, call in. I'm still waiting for your call. So that's 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time on Saturdays, 9 a.m. till midday on Sundays every week. Six hours of pure gold, almost as good as your show. Almost, yes. And don't Almost. hold your Almost. breath. Don't hold your breath waiting for Holly to call in. We've been waiting for Holly to call in here for well <laughs> over a year now, and it hasn't happened yet. So, Holly, come on, put the paintbrush down, wash that <laughs> yeah. Dulux off your hands, and stick those paws of yours on the phone and give us a call at some point. But, yes, tongue-in-cheek, of course, Holly's an absolute gem and one of the stalwarts of the TNT live chat. So, Lambert, we've got to stop now before we go to news headlines. So, lovely to see you again. Lovely to Thanks hear you so. again. Sorry about your troubles in London. Uh, let's hope it doesn't happen again and make sure people you tune in at uh, the Lambert show at the weekend Saturday and Sunday at 10 a.m. UK time and if you miss them you can listen to them on Playback for our website at tntradio.live so big thanks to you again sir much appreciated we've got to take got to take a break right now we'll be right back after the news headlines with more uh, guests more guests one more guest James Goddard so please don't go away this is TNT today's news talk today's news talk radio I like hearing the news news a lot of news TNT Radio News. Top of the hour, every hour. TNT. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. A Russian military jet carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war has been blown out of the sky over Russia, allegedly shot down by Kyiv's own air defences. New Zealand's sending a small group of soldiers to the Middle East to help the international coalition that is supposed to stop Houthi attacks in the Red Sea. And the White House has called on Congress to approve a $20 billion sale of F-16 fighter jets and modernization kits to Turkey. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio.
Welcome back. Don't forget you can call in at the end of the show or get on our online chat. And now uh, coming on is James Goddard. You can follow him at X at James P. Goddard 90. He's an activist and citizen journalist temporarily residing and live from Thailand banned from Parliament uh, until July 2024, but looking forward to coming back to his daily protest outside Downing Street. Uh, he's here to talk about the conscription. It was all over X yesterday, everybody talking about it. We actually put the story here at TNT about Grant Sharps telling us uh, that the army numbers have reduced and he didn't want to invest in it. And surprise, surprise, by magic, just a few days later, they were talking about conscription, which we said they might do. It's almost like they've put a plan together in the mainstream media. So, James, what's your uh, idea on this? Good idea or not? Do you want to be called up to the army? Not particularly. And the reason for it is obviously you've mentioned rightly there about years of cuts, budget cuts to the army. But also what what a lot of what people aren't talking about as well is the woke ideology that's also being pushed into the army as well now. So obviously on all of the adverts, it's all about the pro LGBT stuff. Um, but I don't particularly agree with conscription, especially not when the war doesn't need to take place. Right. If, if the UK government had invested properly in the military and hadn't, you know, hadn't got, hadn't done defence cuts, then we wouldn't be in this situation now. Um, but it's also been quite telling as well with all of the people that have said that they won't, obviously they wouldn't, they wouldn't sign up to it. Um, so, but it, it's truly horrendous that we live in a country. I mean, obviously what happened with the COVID lockdowns, it could quite, this could quite easily be replicated where they put it into law that we, you know, Brits have to be called up and they have to go and fight. And it's not our war. It's not our place to get along with. And it just seems like the politician, and, and I guess the most frustrating thing is we've got unelected politicians ushering us into war. And now we've got unelected people telling us that the British people are going to be have to called up, they're going to be called up to fight. It's uh, it's truly horrendous. It's actually quite scary as well. Um, if you look at if you look at the way the situation's going, like it seems like they're gearing us up for World War Three, and that's something that needs to be avoided at all costs. Do, do you think there's a possibility? I mean, Rishi Shunak has come out today and said, "Oh no, we're not going to do that." Were they trolling us, possibly, or just trying to test the waters and get feedback from the public as to what the you know what people actually thought yesterday? Bringing that story, I out? think it's a bit of both. I think it, they're testing the waters and they're also seeing, the re, obviously, the reactions that people are going to get. But we have to remember, this is a we live under a tyrannical government that can do anything they want. So a lot of the a lot of the time you see they'll put things into the mainstream media to test the waters. And then lo and behold, a few weeks later, it happens. So um, for Rishi Sunak to come out and say, no, no, we're not going to be doing that. I don't think you really can take him on his word anyway. Number one, he's unelected, and two, he's, he's walking a tightrope. I reckon he'll be out of the door in six weeks, and then we're going to get another general election. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think it's fair? Uh, we're talking about uh, the cuts uh, to the military, and Shaps has said, "Oh no, we're not. We're not going to be putting any money in there at the moment." Is that fair on the current? Uh, military service, the people who are actually already in the army and uh, and there, that they're, they're not getting any money put it put into there. Is it fair on their lives? No, no, it's not fair, but it's also endangering their lives as well. And, and we have to think about the UK government has given billions and billions of pounds to Zelensky in Ukraine, while at the same time they're letting our armed forces be depleted. So, and, and this is the thing that people need to realise: if there was an actual invasion, let's say hypothetically Russia or any other foreign adversary uh, tried to invade the UK, 
it, it, it would happen. There's no, there's no resistance to it. And, and like I said, when, when you've had years and years of budget cuts, I've read stories of, uh, uh, of uh, soldiers that saying they've not had the right equipment on the battlefield, the equipment's outdated. So it, it really is disappointing to think that we can give billions and billions of pounds of taxpayers' money to go and fund a foreign war when, when we don't need to be doing that. I, I'm, I'm all for the idea of helping our own before we help others. And there's many issues in the UK that need resolving. But ultimately, war makes people a lot of money and it also makes people easier to control, which is, which is what most, uh, most politicians do when, when the polls are getting bad. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite sad to see. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, consensus yesterday, generally on social media, Rick, was that people did not want to uh, be conscripted. They're not going to do it. How are they going to get the numbers up or do we think they're going to keep falling? The, the, I don't think they people... are going to get the numbers up. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. No, sorry, uh, James, go ahead. No, I, say, I was saying I don't think they'll be able to get... I mean, you'll have you'll have like a few thousand people that have maybe signed up, the NPCs that are, that are still uh, brainwashed into the, into the propaganda that's put out by the government. But from the majority of comments that I got yesterday on both TikTok and X, every single comment was, no, I'm not willing to fight for the World Economic Forum. I'm not willing to fight. I'm not willing to give up, you know, my family, which is a valid point. In the, yeah, in the First World War, there was a there was a contrasting, and I've seen the responses to these even from mainstream uh, outlets like GB News or uh, BBC News. Around two thirds of the people that were even pulled there out of tens and tens of thousands of people said, "No, I'm not going to do it." If you compare that to 1914, there was up to 30,000 people a day signing up to go and fight uh, in France and go and fight against Germany in World War One. Thirty thousand a day, two hundred thousand a week. There were signing up hand over fist. I think if the same thing was to be repeated today, you would see a fraction, a fraction of those numbers. And somebody put it very succinctly, guys. Uh, yesterday, Turning Point UK said, number one, I won't fight for a failed multicultural state. I won't fight for a country that has become the lapdog of globalists. I won't fight for a country that prioritized corporate interests over people. I won't fight for a country that cares more about illegal immigrants than its own homeless. I won't fight for a country that has swapped Christian values for agenda cult. I won't fight to defend soy boys and Marxists, and I won't fight to defend corrupt politicians. That's about as good a reason or a list of reasons as I could even think about to put together multiple reasons why people are not interested in this. I think it'll fall flat in its face, uh, guys, if they try and push this through. Yeah, I was going to say as well, Carl Vernon said they want a population scared of a cold to fight in a war, James. That's basically where we are now. <laughs> Yeah, but you've also got to include, like, just to go back to 1914, the reason so many people signed up was they didn't have the internet. That, that's yeah. been the downfall of the globalist is given us the internet because it gives yeah. people more access to information, which is why people are calling it out now. But yeah, exactly what you said. How can you expect people that were scared of a cold to go out on a battlefield and take on the Russian army or whichever army it is? Like, it's simply Generation Snowflake. It's simply not going to happen. Um, it's like I said, it's laughable, uh, but that's the current state of the UK at the minute. It's truly, uh, it's, it's scary though. That's why I'm glad I'm in uh, Thailand until December, and then I'll be back, uh, back to carry on the campaign. But if, uh, if like I said, if they do do the conscript, I, I can't see, I can't see thousands and thousands of people signing up for it. No. no, I've got an image, as you said that, of uh, people on the front line rather than with uh, like like a weapon with a mask and uh, like a, a, a measurement of stay two metres away. And uh, maybe, yeah, maybe there's no they safe have... spaces on the battlefield. 
No, uh, I don't know how we're going to save them. But the other thing before we have to go, uh, people, the, the public should have more rights and have more say, shouldn't they, in decisions about actually going to war and the funding. It seems now, you know, that the parliament, they're not representing us at all and what people want. They're just telling us what we should do. And, and that's what's falling into a dystopian world, isn't it? Yeah, as well. But that, that's the problem with the English, uh, the British democratic system is you elect an MP to vote on on your wishes. And, and that's the problem. None of the MPs, or out of the 650 MPs, I don't believe one of them represents the interests of the British people because they'll always put their party before the country and they'll always put the multinational profits and everything else above the people and country. And if there was a referendum, like you look at, you look back when Tony Blair took us into the illegal war with Iraq, you had a million people on the streets and that still wasn't enough to stop the war. So yeah, the British people, they need to be consulted on this. There needs to be referendums. We need to be consulted. And also as well, like I keep reiterating the point, Lord Cameron and Rishi Sunak are completely unelected. So how they have the audacity to try and take us into another war is completely ludicrous. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. We've got it's we've got to take a, a time on this now. We've uh, come to the end, uh, but you can follow James again at James P Goddard ninety. Would love for you to come back and talk when you're uh, back in the country again, James. And uh, we're going to take a quick break here at TNT, and we've got more stories to cover at today's news talk. JDRF's vision is to create a world without type 1 diabetes. The type 1 diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the type 1 diabetes community. In the main, we are governed by the type 1 diabetes community, we're energised by the type 1 community, and we're accountable to the type 1 diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist, and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organisations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting innovative companies and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day, day after day, until the day we find a cure. To everybody in the type 1 diabetes community, no matter your age or stage with the disease, whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago, we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can. Thank you to everybody who's supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about Canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is 
just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Mott. Thank you, listen. TNT. We're back and we've got a birthday in the chat. So happy birthday, Nige. Uh, we have to give you a shout out here. And uh, I think it was Pavel Broski uh, made a good comment um, in the chat as well. They said they wouldn't even want to give their friends a water gun, uh, let alone a real gun in terms of conscription. Uh, but we got a new story coming out, an important one uh, coming out of the US. Governor Greg Abbott, what's he got to say about the situation in Texas at the moment? Rick. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the president has issued an order that razor wire should be taken down in uh, Texas to stop people flooding over the border uh, illegally by the million into America, then flooding sanctuary cities like New York and San Francisco who are turning into tent cities slowly, not like, but most of them, a lot of them are actually coming in through Texas. So, of course, uh, the governor there, Greg Abbott, uh, wants to try and secure the borders between America and uh Mexico on his side of the fence anyway, as best he can for the people living there. So he's been told to dismantle this uh, and it had been removed, but now the National Guard has been re-putting the, the razor wire there in defiance of what Biden's administration has been said. Uh, and Texas Governor Greg Abbott released a statement and I'm going to just summarize it very briefly here because it's quite a lengthy statement, but he basically says, I have already declared an invasion Okay, so he he has declared as the governor of Texas an invasion in his state of Texas uh, to invoke Texas constitutional authority to defend and to protect itself. Now, listen, that authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. So we have a, a big clash here going on, Natalie, between the Biden administration and Greg uh, Abbott down in Texas. He's basically saying, this is the supreme law of the land. I believe that we're being invaded. So what I'm doing overrides anything that you tell me to do. And of course, this could set off a chain reaction of people openly defying uh, Biden because Let's be honest about it. They are being invaded. There's millions of illegal people pouring over their borders, don't know who they are, don't know where they're going, don't know what they're going to do. And he's saying, I want to protect the people that live in Texas. So damn it, I'm going to secure the borders and nobody's going to stop me. So I think we're heading for a big showdown here uh, between Biden's administration and Greg Abbott. And in fact, we're not even uh, heading for a showdown. It's happening as we speak. Yeah. And I mean, it could, again, we keep saying it could set a precedent, couldn't it, for other countries? I mean, mm -hmm. if Greg Abbott actually managed to succeed and uh, carry on putting up uh, border, more border control, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we could do it in other countries. Uh, it does say in his very lengthy uh, document and statement, under President Biden's lawless border policies, more than six million illegal immigrants have mm -hmm. crossed over our southern border in just three years. This is more than the population of 33 different states in this country. Uh, he then says this illegal uh, this illegal refusal to protect the states has inflicted unprecedented harm on the people all across the United States. So that's just to put it in perspective how yeah. many people are Six actually million. coming through. And, uh, and and that's why he's saying this is actually an attack. This, this is a, a real uh, risk and danger to the population of Texas and the United States. And for that reason, that's why he's making this stand. And, 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 I, and you know, you can't, it's hard to disagree with him, isn't it? You know, it, it must be 
in some way against the constitution, I would have thought. Well, uh, is, so, yeah. It is. He's saying, you know, we're being endangered. His words are, uh, it is his constitution. He's invoking his constitutional authority to defend and protect Texas. And six million people, that's a lot. We always try and put this into, you know, visual terms in the UK. What's the population of Birmingham? It must be around about six million people or Liverpool or Manchester, huge cities in uh, England. Can you imagine the entire population of Birmingham offing itself over into America and planting itself there over the space of two to three years? I would say that's an invading force, if nothing else is. And most of these people, if not all, are illegal. They're breaking the law by going there in the first place. So I think he's banged to order with this one, Natalie. And let's hope uh, other states fall into, into line with that, uh, like California, but that's highly unlike, unlikely with and Gavin I've just, Newsom I've just there. got here to, to read. He says, for these reasons, I have already uh, declared an invasion under Article 1 and 10, Clause 3, to invoke Texas constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. So he is here, got the law possibly on his side. So rather than, you know, just coming out as a politician and saying, oh, I'm going to do something, this is definitely one to keep an eye on. And uh, we will keep you updated on it because it will have uh, meaning con meaningful consequences on the rest of the world globally for their uh, illegal immigration problem as well, Rick. Yeah, it will. It will. And listen, these things usually have a domino effect. New York, Eric Adams, who we don't like here, uh, he's already crying about the state of play in New York. He says we can't take any more people in here. They're living on the streets. Most of these sanctuary cities, Chicago is another one. Uh, uh, San Francisco has been ruined by the streets being flooded with illegals. So I would say uh, that other people are going to take note of Abbott's stance here and say, well, if he can do it, then we can do it. And then there's a real problem on the hands for the Biden administration if enough people uh, rise up and go against them. And on the other hand, moving swiftly to Ireland, uh, Ukraine refugees have been paid out 750 million euros in social welfare since the start of the conflict. I mean, these figures are really something. You know, of that, 481.6 million was paid in job seekers allowance to them. 81.4 million uh, was paid through his pension scheme, 60.4 in child benefit, 21.4 million in supplementary welfare and clothing, 12.7 million in disability allowance. Um, that yeah, that's some figures, isn't it? They've not paid into the system and the Irish citizens haven't had a choice in it. That's a lot of money to pay out when when the country is struggling and on its knees itself. It's absolutely disgusting. And we covered a story, I think, at the start of this week here that was very close to home. I think it was a Monday morning, a local uh, adult learning day centre that's in danger of closing in the town that I live in, the one that Lembert was born in, 50 uh, adults with learning disabilities who absolutely have a lifeline and their cares have a lifeline through this as being shut at the end of March due to a lack of funding, whilst in the middle of the same town we have a huge luxury hotel that's currently full of migrants at the taxpayer's expense. I have no idea what that's costing to keep them in that hotel, Natalie, but I'll wager to say it's a damn sight more than it would be to keep that adult facility open for people that grew, that were born and grew up in this area and whose parents have been paying tax and national insurance contributions all their lives. They're suffering as a result of it, yeah. not the people that are being in the hotels. And here we have like these figures that you're throwing out there from that article are insane. 481 there, million there, 60 million there, 21 million there, 2 million there, 12 million there, 6 million there. And yet we can't provide local care in the community facilities for people with learning difficulties or the disabled 
older people with mental health issues. It is disgusting, disgusting at the highest order. And don't worry, though, Rick, because they're going to change the rules now. So any new refugees are going to get a cap on it. But if you already came here and you're already in receipt of them, then you're going to carry on getting the high rate, uh, the same as the rest of uh, the Irish citizens. So uh, they're really trying to do something about it as well and uh, make it right. Yeah, there seems to be a talk as well. The word on the street is that maybe in the next 12 months, certainly two years at the most, all Irish people could be getting all types of benefits cut because of the amount of money that's being splurged out uh, on these economic freeloaders that are coming into the country hand over fist. So basically then, if you have been paying into the system all your life, uh, you're an Irish taxpayer and you're retired or you're getting disability living allowance or a carer's allowance, that there's the possibility that all benefits will be cut for everybody because of the humongous amount of money that's been paid out, the like of which we're talking nearly a billion, nearly a billion euro uh, to these people. Uh, it's it's insane. And, and it can't go on forever. Something's got to give and something's got to break. And unfortunately, uh, it's the Irish taxpayers that are fitting the bill for all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and moving on as well, uh, we're talking about people who, uh, you know, getting taken advantage of, uh, the Irish citizens, certainly. Uh, Amazon, now it doesn't surprise me, Amazon aren't exactly known to be the most uh, moral company. Uh, they've uh, been fined for excessive surveillance of workers. Uh, you know, it, it's not a big surprise, but, you know, where, where it starts with Amazon, it can move on to everyone else. Uh, they've been treated like robots, uh, basically. So uh, they've been fined 32 million euros, uh, this is in France for excessive surveillance. Uh, basically, if whatever you uh, do when you're working in this factory, they want to know about it. So they get an alert triggered if you scan an item too quickly. An alert happens if uh, you have a break of more than 10 minutes or more. An alert will happen um, if between those breaks as well, I think. Uh, and uh, they're saying, well, we have to do it in order to maintain good quality, safety and efficiency. And uh, it's very similar happened in the UK factory as well. Uh, they uh, saw it as excessively intrusive there. Uh, and uh, the GBM union in the UK said bruising levels of security, uh, of scrutiny and surveillance uh, doesn't seem to be a very good company to work for. What next? Are they going to uh, start putting cameras in, timing how long you got take to have a poo or how, how long it takes you to have a sandwich? Do Amazon need to know what their workers are they doing, do. Rick? Of course they do. They need to know everything. And here's the everything. irony behind here's the irony behind this story, right? So if you take a break that's too long, you get penalized. But if you do your work too quickly, you can also yes. get penalized as well. So you're under tension, Natalie. It's like, I'm going to take a break. And if I take more than 10 minutes, they're going to jump on me. But if you're scanning items, there's a threshold here of one point. Two five seconds, one and a quarter seconds. They even have seconds broke down to a quarter of a second. So if you scan an item within 1.25 seconds of the previous one, you will be flagged because it could result in errors of processing. So they're even breaking a second down to a thousandth part. And if you're a quarter of a second over and under, that could trigger a tap on the shoulder from your line manager because you're working too fast 
instead of taking too long breaks. So it's a real head melt, I would think. And it's not, I would imagine the turnover of staff in these places is huge, Natalie. Uh, people maybe take these jobs because they're on their uppers, but very quickly realize it's not possible to live and work in that environment. It would uh, cause yeah. massive stress mentally and you would be yeah. quitting pretty quick. I was going to say, you know, we're, we're working on the show. Uh, we have to stick to limits, to like time limits. Uh, but we only have to do that for an hour or two hours. You know, we've got to keep an eye on the time to get to go to breaks to introduce guests. I wouldn't fancy doing that in a factory, being under those time scales no. from nine to five. I think if you were, you, I can't imagine what your blood pressure and your stress levels would Terrible. be constantly checking on the time. So, you know, uh, no, no to Amazon. I wouldn't want to be working there. And let's hope that doesn't move on uh, to other people. Just wanted to say something in the chat and read out. Seb Dangerfield says some TNT presenters aren't the sharpest chisels in the bag, are they? It's a sideshow. Bread and circuses to deflect and misdirect. Biden and Abin putting their dupes up at each other. Ha ha ha. Abbott is WEF to the core. Now, I'm, I, I wasn't for a moment suggesting that uh, it wasn't bread and circuses we were bringing you the story i mean it easily i agree with you could just be that they're working together and uh, that he's that abbott is basically doing it to look like uh, they like to do that we know all politicians that it looks like that they're uh, making a stand against it when in fact they're all working together but we're bringing you the story because that's that's what's up to date at the moment and then obviously if he does uh, uh, something positive comes out of it it will set a precedent but yeah I agree with you what's the likelihood of him actually uh, putting up bigger border controls there probably not a lot yeah, and the, the converse also, I have to I have to get this one in, I have to get a little swipe in myself. The converse is also true. Some of the listeners uh, and contributors <laughs> to the TNT chat are not the sharpest chisels in the bag either. So it does cut both ways. So take everything we say as we take everything you yeah. say with a nice little pinch of salt. How's that now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I'm not I'm not always the smartest, but we are here live uncensored. We're and works in progress. Listen, we are. we're not perfect. Uh, we're just too normal. Listen, it. Natalie is about as normal a person as you can get, and so am I. We're not special. We're not super intelligent, as you've probably no. gathered. We're just <laughs> exactly. doing our, we're just doing <laughs> our level like best. So please forgive us if we uh, drop the odd clanger or the odd faux pas. Yeah. Listen, we're works in progress. Like all of you. We all yep. have room for improvement. So let's just keep refining ourselves and let's not yep. look for perfection because you're never going to get it anywhere. And and as Ben uh, rightly said yesterday, just because uh, we're here talking doesn't mean that anything we say is remotely yeah. true. We, we encourage everything. critical thinking. Yeah. You know, think if you want to think that Natalie and Rick, they're talking absolute rubbish. Well, good, good on you. Go do some research and uh, come back as you've done in the chat. We we don't just want people to agree with us. We want people to call us out if we're talking rubbish. And uh, yeah, just quickly before we go, this was a this was a funny story. Uh, more lighthearted. Thatcher Cider has lost a High Court trademark battle with Aldi after copycatting accusations. 
questions. I don't really know where I stand on this one because Aldi do it all the time. They literally copy the brands completely. This was a cloudy lemonade. I'm waving at someone in the background. <laughs> waving at Mike Ryan. Uh, I, I saw Mike Ryan there. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, I, they, they actually uh, won the case, Aldi, and it was a cloudy lemon cider, and they come out and said, there's nothing cloudy about this judgment. It's clear cut uh, from Aldi. But really, they are cheating, and they are they, they, they do copy all the brands. But I guess it's a win for the public. For those who haven't got as much money, they're getting basically the same product for a hell of a lot yeah. cheaper, Rick. And listen, it's like this. Of course, you're going to get rip-off brands in the budget supermarkets, but you can taste the difference. They might package it the same. It might look almost identical, but as soon as you pop that uh, can open or as soon as you take that top off the bottle, you're going to know the difference. You've testified yourself, not like you're a connoisseur of Heinz tomato ketchup. Yeah. Anything else is a peel substitute. It doesn't matter if you're paying over the odds for Heinz because you're getting the best. I think it's the same with these knockoff items. Uh, in times of hardship, you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of quality if you want to get something on the cheap. And, you know, you get what you pay for at the end of the day. So I don't think anybody's in shock when they're buying this stuff out of all there or anywhere else. No, and I just I want to quickly say the Aldi like a uh, thing of Dairy Lee cheese triangles was so disgusting. I nearly vomited when I ate them. So Dairy Lee all the way, uh, like it is with Heinz. Uh, but it's time to go. Uh, it, we've already reached the end of the show. Carry on listening to Rick at Locked and Loaded. I will be back at nine o'clock tomorrow. Have a great day. Go out there in the real world. Uh, critical think. And uh, yeah, we encourage that always here at today's News Talk. I've been Natalie Chill. This has been Open Line. Bye, bye.